transformation that's going on on the inside of us. So, Father, I pray you would anoint my words that all of us would be, Father, both invited and challenged to follow Jesus more tonight than we have before. We pray these things in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, praise God. So I went to Target yesterday. Anyone? Yeah. Let's put it this way. This morning I was out at uh, 6 a.m. and made sure I went to get the final things at King Supers for, for our dinner um, because I was going to be there before everybody else wakes up. Because uh, it was about noon yesterday when I went, or a little bit after. And the aisles, every checkout line was three quarters of the way back the, the building. And I was like, well, I don't have a choice. I got to do it. So I stood in line, which Angie knows is my favorite thing to do in life. But either way, uh, there was a lot of joy, and it was interesting, you know, sometimes you see people get frustrated in, in moments like that, <laughs> amen? But it was interesting to look around, and I didn't see anybody angry, you know, I think we've all been through enough the last couple of years that, uh, you know, as a whole, people are gaining a greater perspective on life, amen? That sometimes convenience can, can make us a little impatient, Right? The Bible says that tribulation, troubles work with patience, and the last two years has certainly offered up, uh, offered up enough troubles in our life. And I think that it's having an effect uh, on people that what I would call it is, it's making them ready for the harvest. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I grew up on a farm, and interesting enough, you, you would go out and you plant the seed, and of course the rains come and it grows, but it's that hot heat of summer that helps bring the crop to its, its full ripeness. Part of it's the drying out, if you will. It's like the sun beating down on that crop brings it to that final stage and, and dries the moisture out so that it can be harvested. And I will, I will tell you that I know in my life when hardships come, somehow I find myself saying, God, where are you at? And I would think that God, you know, sees it this way, well, I'm getting you ready for the harvest. I'm getting you ready for a greater harvest in your life, and I'm getting you ready for a greater harvest in others' lives as you recognize that I am working for my good pleasure, his good pleasure, right? All that we do is meant to be for God's good pleasure. Does that indicate that, that we don't have pleasure in this life? No, no, it doesn't. God created us. And he created us for his good pleasure. That's indicating that you and I, when we follow Christ, bring pleasure to God. He takes pleasure in us being like him. And I think it's fitting for us to reflect in the Christmas story that that's really what it was all about. It was really all about God coming into the earth in human form and, and paying a price that we could not pay. No, he didn't pay it as a baby in a manger, he paid it when he hung on the cross, but that was the manifestation of what he thought of so long ago. As a matter of fact, before the foundations of the earth and the universe and the, the cosmic aspect of when you look out into the stars and you understand that, that things are so much bigger than ourselves, amen? That when you look out there, you understand that, that God was thinking about us before any of 
this existed, before any of us existed, before the earth existed. The Bible says before the foundations of the earth, the Lamb of God was slain. We know Jesus is the Lamb of God, and yet it's when he went to the cross that it was the full manifestation of that prophecy or that foretelling of what would happen. But ultimately, this was the moment when he would take on human form. In a sense that for mankind always striving to rule in their own life and to be over their own life or to be over others, as it began in the garden, you'll be as as God is what Satan told Adam and Eve. And they swallowed that and became less like God that day. But God had a plan to rescue us and make us like him again. And that was to send his son. And when we choose to follow Christ, we turn from the knowledge of good and evil, eating from that tree, and we turn back to eating from the tree of life. That's what Jesus is. He's the tree of life. He's the truth, he's the way, and he's the life. And when we're in relationship with him and we feed upon his word, when we take his word in, what happens is is we are feeding on the tree of life and we are made just a little bit more like God. I'm not saying we are God, we're made like him, amen? So I wanted to share something, as I was looking at the scriptures, it hit me very unique to, if you've ever read the Gospels and the Christmas story, you see that there's a difference in the way that they tell the story. Now, some of them have some of the same factual evidence, or in the story it's, you know, the wise men went, or the shepherds, you know, the angels appeared to the shepherds, and we see all of those things taking place in, in scripture, and yet, then there's these unique differences uh, in the gospels from the different apostles as they tell the Christmas story. And so as I was reading and reflecting on what I would share tonight, uh, as our slide says, Christ is born. They all were telling that story that Christ is born. It was the story leading up to his birth, and then the moment of his birth, and all the things that took place, and if you will, they're historical facts that those things took place from the telling of those stories. And what I want to do is I want to read from Luke and I want to read from John tonight. And I want to show you the, 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 the contrasting difference between the way that they tell the Christmas story. So we start with Luke in chapter 2, which I believe we've read this a couple times. But I'm going to read, you know, a little bit more than we've read over the course of Advent in Luke 2, 4 through 12, what we have is Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were, uh, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes or cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory, say glory, say light. Because the glory of God is light. It's the brightest light you can get. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. 
For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Now, uh, really what I, what I would say to you tonight in this, this is uh, the Christmas story by two apostles. Luke, and you have um, uh, John. And watch this in John. Here's how John tells the Christmas story. You ready? Are you ready? Here we go. John 1, 1 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's a different John. That's John the Baptist. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In a sense, when we're born again in Christ because of his sacrifice, we're born into the family of God through the supernatural power of God's spirit and the working of his son. Can you say amen? See, Christmas Day has a different feel than Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is about the excitement and the flurry of activity that takes us to the manger. In a sense, Luke is telling the story from a perspective of, of facts that took place leading to that moment in the manger where the Son of God was born. John is telling this story, as I shared earlier, from the foundations of the earth, the Lamb of God was slain. John's telling this story about Christmas, reflecting on the fact that God had worked everything out to restore, to reconcile his children back to him. That we would have, think about this, that we would have the right, say right. You have the right through Jesus Christ to be the children of God. That's no small thing if you think about it. That God by adoption through the power of his son brings us back into his family when we are born again. See tomorrow as you celebrate Christmas, I want to encourage you to remember uh, John's inspiring story. Reflect on Christmas not necessarily without the angels and the shepherds, but reflect on the fact that those were just moments in time that lined up with what God set in motion long ago and that you now have become a part of in eternity. See, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But through Christ, God opened that door once again for us to walk in the Spirit. That we are not just flesh and bone, that we are by God when we're born again, spirit, a born again spirit that then now internally begins to uh, pour out life 
through the rest of our being. And I mean that. Think about it. That, that you have a soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and you have your flesh. You have the physical aspect of you. You have, uh, right? You have touch, taste, sight, hearing, right? And taste. You have the physical senses that play in uh, to your life, that your body is engaged. Then you have the way that you think, and you have the way that you feel, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. The way that you think and the way that you feel has a whole lot of influence on your will. Amen? And so think about it this way, the way that you think. Here comes Luke telling his version of the Christmas story, and it's engaging your intellect to think about the factual evidence of what took place leading up to that moment in the manger and yet John comes and he tells us a story about this everlasting God this eternal father existing was he is he is to come he always will be and when you think about him telling that story from that perspective it should engage your emotions just a little bit it's hard for our intellect to grasp what it is, like, how did he do that? Anybody, when you think about that, it's kind of like, so, how, so before the foundations of the earth, well, how did that all come into play? I know when I read in Genesis, he said, let there be light, and there was light. Right? Let the firmament appear, and, right? And then he creates, you know, all the different animals, right? You got the fish in the sea, you got the fowl of the air, the birds in the air. You got the, 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 the creeping and the walking beasts, Right? Then all of a sudden, his masterpiece on the, on the sixth day, he makes man. And he doesn't just make man. The Bible says he made man in his own image. And then once he's done making man, forming man out of the, the, the earth, out of dirt, is there a reason why you have to take vitamins that have different minerals that you find in the earth? Come on now. Right? There is. From dust you came and dust you shall return. That this physical body has, has an expiration date. But what God was doing before the foundations of the earth is making a way so that we would have eternal life. He was, once again, through Christ, given us an opportunity to be made in his image and all the more so. Amen? See, John tells a very different Christmas story from the one that we read in Luke. It's not better than Luke's, it's just different, and we need both, amen? Let me give you some contrasts to their story. Luke tells the Christmas story with facts, John tells it with poetry. Luke tells it looking from the outside, John tells it looking from the inside. Luke tells us what happened, John wants us to reflect on what it means to us. Luke says, this happened. John says, hey, this is what this means to you. You have the right to be children of God. Amen? Luke describes an event. John describes a way of being. Luke tells a story of particulars in those days. And in that region, it's about a particular place, time, and people. John's story is cosmic. In the beginning, it's a creation story, see? You have Genesis in the creation story, and then you have 
right? The story of Christmas from John's perspective, it's a new creation story. As the Bible says, right? That in Christ, we are a new creation, right? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus because of the work that he came to do when he was laid in that manger and the work he completed when he went to the cross, amen? Luke has us focus on the child Jesus. John asks us to consider what it means for us to become children of God, for the word of God, if you will, to dwell in us. Now, um, I think we know Jesus, he was all man, yet all God. All man, all God, right? He was the son of man and he was the son of God. Once again, the telling that we see Uh, In the Gospels, you'll see apostles talking about him being the son of man, and then you see him referring to him being the son of God. He was all man, all God. We are born of man, right? His father was, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. His father was God in heaven by the conception of the Holy Spirit. Without the virgin birth, the Gospel doesn't exist. Do you understand that? So this moment, right, this moment where he is brought into the earth the way the prophecies foretold he would be. By the way, you can't find a book where it has prophecies that are given where they come to pass as accurate as it did around the life of Jesus. There's nothing that exists like that. If you didn't know, the Bible is really, you know, considered the number one bestseller almost every single year. The Bible is the bestseller uh, where it comes to books that people buy and read. I think there's a reason for that, right? Is that uh, there's life in those words. There's, there's spirit, breath in those words. When we call upon God, he breathes life into us through the word. So that God's word would dwell in us. Think about this. When I hear this story about the word becoming flesh and living among us, I think all of us immediately assume that that's referring only to Jesus. That The word became flesh and dwelt among men. But yet, when you think about Jesus uh, giving his life and and then resurrecting from the dead, saying to us, the greater work shall you do. And you think about the fact that he came to give us eternal life. We can't live eternally without the eternal word living in us. Right? If in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the Uh, the the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. That, that, That in darkness we didn't comprehend what was going on but that moment that the light shines just like it did for the shepherds and there's great joy, there's great peace, there's great hope, there's there's a love that is declared for mankind that when we come to that place of believing in our heart that we believe, I believe in my heart, I believe with everything that I am that Jesus gave his life so that I can have eternal life, then all of a sudden I confess it with my mouth because there's something that takes place when it moves from internal, come on, John's talking about internal, and all of a sudden once we have that internal impact by the eternal, we start to move to then talk like Luke about the factual in our own life, come on. We tell our story about how we met Jesus. We tell our story about What the manger means to us is that we understand that while he was a babe, he came in the weakness, as weak as it could be. I mean, he faced something that that, that 
most never face is they're killing every baby in his age group trying to annihilate the king of kings and the lord of lords come on why because you got a jealous king that doesn't want anybody else being king i'm king and nobody else can be king well i gotta tell you that you cannot come on you cannot get rid of the king of kings and the lord of lords Right? We know that uh, Joseph is warned. Here's some facts. Joseph's warned in a dream, and he gets up and he goes to Egypt, just like he was told to do. It reflects back on the story of Moses, who was a, another baby, right? A type and a shadow of Christ to come, that he's another one where all the children his age was being put to death. Why? Because he was born to be a deliverer. And guess why Christ was born? He was born to be a deliverer. He was born to set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Amen? That's an internal work that produces a factual testimony. It's like, well, that's your facts. It's not my facts. Right. But I go back to the facts of what Luke tells me about who he is. And I reflect on what John tells me will happen in me when I realize that I can be a son of God by faith in Jesus Christ and his work. And all of a sudden, I've been saved and empowered for good works in Christ. Amen? If you didn't know, that's a scripture. That we've been saved for good works in Christ. And all of a sudden, as I begin to act in the likeness of Christ, I, I ain't saying that I'm perfect or I've got it all together, but I'm telling you, I want to be like him. I want to be like him more and more and more each and every day of my life. And it's in being like him that I find that I have my greatest story. My greatest story exists in pursuing Christ and allowing him to change and transform me. Amen? Listen to what John 1, 12 through 13 says here, reflecting on that. Again, remember, uh, the, you have the power to become children of God. John 1, 12 through 13 once again says, but as many as received him, let me ask, have you received him tonight? Have you received him into your heart? Are, are, you, are you just on the factual stories or have you moved to that internal transformation that comes from the divine power of God working in you? He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor the will of man, but of God. God has a will over your life, and I want you to know it's a good one. And yes, I've been born of flesh. I've been born of blood. I have blood cursing through my, coursing through my veins. You know, I'm, I'm A positive. My wife's A positive. All my kids are A positive. Come on. If somebody took their blood, you know what? They would trace it back to two people. You know who those two people are? Angie and I. What I want you to know is, is that when you're born again, that internal transformation that takes place, what Paul is talking about here is, that, is the testimony that, that uh, Paul the Apostle was giving to King Agrippa in Acts 26 when he says, he says to him that Jesus appears to him and he said he had come unto him to, to save him, to uh, deliver him from the Gentiles to whom he would now send Paul to be a witness to. See, Paul's persecuting and killing Christians, and all of a sudden the shift that takes place is Paul has this encounter. If you didn't know, if you go and read that story in Acts 26, and it says, suddenly a light shone. <laughs> it was so bright that what it did, it knocked him off his horse, blinded him, and gets up, and, and now he can't see, 
And Jesus begins to speak to him about going and persecuting Christians. And all of a sudden he says, who are you, Lord? Exactly. Who are you, Lord? The revelation of what just happened to him is there's something bigger than me. I'm going and pursuing the law and these acts that I'm doing do not honor God. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus who you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. If you don't know what goad is, ox would pull an ox cart and they had these sharp spikes because the ox would get mad about being in the yoke and have to pull the ox cart and they were done with it. And they would start kicking at the cart and they would beat that cart up and tear it up to break out of that. And when they, they put those goads back, pointy sticks, when they'd kick back, it would hit their hoof. And they didn't do that anymore. And he told Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. Basically what happens is, is Paul begins his, inter, his internal transformation to eternal life so that he could then go and be a witness. And what does he do? He tells King Agrippa the facts that came from the internal transformation that took place because of the power and the revelation of Jesus Christ that he had received, all of a sudden for Paul, when he looks at the law, the law doesn't tell him what he thought it used to tell him. Because that's the validation he had to go and persecute Christians because they're not keeping the law the way they should keep it. No, you don't understand the law. Just like Jesus told the early Pharisees and Sadducees, you don't know what you speak of. And you speak from the wrong spirit concerning these things. You study the scriptures day and night. But you never come to the knowledge of the truth is what he said about the early Pharisees and Sadducees. Outward facts can often be lost if you don't have that inward transformation that can only come by the power of Christ. That's what John is speaking to. While Luke's laying those facts out about the story of Jesus, John is saying this story is not just a story of a, of, a, of a wonderful little baby laid in a manger. It's not just the story of wise men bringing gifts. It's not just the story of angels appearing to shepherds. This is a story of the greatest gift ever offered to mankind. And I would say to us, we dare not reject it. It's so, so important for us to receive it because when we receive it, then and only then are we really capable of giving that. I think when I look at it, I can go to about any store and you see, you can see mangers, you can see story, stories about Jesus and you can see stories of the wise men, little, little um, um, trinkets and, and images and stuff you can put out that have all the Christmas story on it. But you know all of those images. Little silhouettes cut out of the wise men at the manger. A nativity set. Come on, who's got a nativity set? I'm not saying those are bad, just so you know. How many of you know there's no life in them? There's no life in them. There's a story they tell, and it's factual, but we need one that's revelatory. Amen? Let me give you John 3, 1 through 6 here. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot 
uh, see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and, of sp- and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which bo- is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Your mom and dad could give you flesh life, but only God can give you spiritual life, amen? As I close, I want to share the scripture we probably all know, because at Christmas we give gifts, amen? John 3.16 says, come on, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what was wrapped up and laid in that manger. But know that God, parents, how many of you start thinking about going Christmas shopping early on? Like, you know, hey kids, give me your Christmas list. And I know my grandkids, they got an app now. They're filling it all out and different family members check what they're getting for people. And holy moly, Angie was showing me that. And I'm like, my head hurts just looking at that. Can it just be simple? Can I just have a list that says, this is what I would like? (laughs) And you check this one. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to get that. And then boom, it's gone the next day and somebody else got it. Whatever. No one else. Listen to me here. No one else in your life. Not mom, not dad, not grandma, not grandpa, brothers, nor sisters. Friends. No one else could give you this gift. There is only one that could give the gift of eternal life. And it was God. And he chose to give that through his son. Think about it. I have the right. Say, I have the right to be called a child of God. No one else could give you that gift. But the way God chose to give you that gift, because sin requires the shedding of blood, was he give his son his one and only begotten son, he would give him so that he could have all of us as his children. And that's something we should never, ever take for granted. It's something that we should celebrate, not just at Christmas time, but every, can I say, every single day of our life, can that get an amen in this house tonight? It should be the first thing we think of when we wake up in the morning. It certainly should be something that comes to mind throughout our day. And when our head hits the pillow at night, before we start thinking and worrying about all the things we got to do, could there be a God before I go to sleep? Let me take a breath and just glorify your name for how good you are to me. Because one day, you know you won't sleep anymore. Come on, somebody. How many of you are sleep deprived right now? Make it the most important thing. See, everlasting life is only possible because light came into the darkness. As the scripture says in Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of His Son, love. The love of Jesus. So He's translated us out of darkness just like Paul told King Agrippa out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He said to him, you know, that, that Jesus appeared to him and said, I'm delivering you from the Gentiles to whom I will now send you. 
turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. This passage is saying that the way that that is possible is because of the love of Christ. So tonight, we're going to light the Christmas candle and our children are coming in to join us right now. We all felt like they would love the Now, theirs are already lit, so uh, you guys are going to be messing with fire while they, they got batteries. We think that's a safety. <laughs> Don't you just love kids? You know, we're standing up here during worship and just watching one of the little ones run up here in front of us and dancing around and worshiping. Now I want you to picture as the kids are coming up here and getting settled when you look at them what do you think of? Some of you are the parents but when I see these children I think about how God loves us and wants to be there for us and care for us they can't just leave here tonight and go out on their own can they? Don't leave here tonight and go out on your own I don't know what challenges you might be facing in your life, your relationships, but all do I know that God wants to care for us the same as the parents want to care for their children. Let him do that. Recognize that it's not just a factual story. It's a transformational story that requires you to extend an invitation to him to come in experience Christmas on the inside come on now to be brought to life by his power as we light the candle tonight um, I want to read to you from Isaiah 9 uh, 2 and 6 and and through 7 and uh, I'm going to light the candle now it's the night that the night that God's light came into the earth and here's what it says the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them a light has shined for unto us a child is born unto us unto us a son given and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Listen, of the increase of his government and peace, there is no end. Amen? So we're going to light and sing Silent Night. So the ushers can come forward. And are you able to dim all the lights down a bit? Here we are. You're okay. Just light off the Christ candle.
transformation take place inside of each and every one of us I pray 2023 God would be the year to glorify you more God than we ever have may you receive love and honor and worship from us with our whole mind heart and strength and everyone said amen, amen. one two three Um, okay uh, so remember there are, is no service tomorrow and also for this year because January 1st falls on